Welcome, everyone. Thanks for joining the Society for Clinical Research Sites for SCRS Talks. I'm Mike Jay, Director of Special Projects here at SCRS. And the talk series allows our global impact partners to take a few minutes to address issues of industry concern. In this installment, we're going to have Matt Miller, the president of StudyKick, answer a few questions about subject recruitment challenges in the COVID era. But before we get started, I'm going to give Matt a few minutes to let us all know uh, about him, his background, um, StudyKick, how, how did StudyKick start, what led you to starting the company, things like that. So, hi, Matt. How are you doing? Good, Mike. How are you doing? All right. Good. Thanks for having me. I really appreciate that. You're welcome. Tell us a little bit about yourself. Sure. So, um, you know, my name is Matt Miller. Uh, I'm the co-founder and president and CEO of StudyKick currently. Um, you know, the business has been around now for about seven years. Um, and, you know, StudyKick really started uh, as an organization focused on patients and uh, patient communities that we began to build in specific therapeutic areas, um, and then research sites, really building out a platform where research sites could interact with those that would be interested in joining a clinical trial, uh, and us essentially trying to provide all the tools necessary uh, to make that process as easy as possible for both, you know, the participant and the site to join. So, um, you know, that's that's how we originally began. Um, still, most of that holds through to today. Uh, and, um, you know, we've had, you know, quite the evolution of the business over the years, um, but still remain very much research site focused. That's why I was so excited to uh, participate in the SRS talks because SRS has been an organization that we have supported uh, for a long time now. And I think the work that SRS does is fantastic uh, for the sites and empowering the sites. Um, so, you know, I thought this was a really exciting opportunity. So, you know, thank you so much for having me. Oh, you're welcome. And yes, you've always been a great supporter of ours. Um, I know you're sponsoring the opening session for this year's virtual global summit. Um, yes. And you've sponsored numerous things at, at every summit. We're always really glad to have you guys jump up on stage yeah. uh, in your vests. Yeah. <laughs> Quite a it's trademark. Always, yeah. It's always a fun time, you know. This year, uh, being everything's virtual, I'll take a little bit of a different approach. Maybe we'll do a, some, you know, some sort of virtual, uh, you know, virtual giveaway and Know, virtual vest type of thing, right. you know, should be should be a good time. We're all going through this kind of interesting times together, so uh, it should be a good time overall. Yep. And speaking of interesting times, um, we we from our kind of perspective from the society watch this whole thing happen uh, to all the sites um, uh, starting February, March, April, and. You know, it's it's one thing if, if you're at a research site and, and you're – things like you start to have a pandemic breakout and then it, and you have your subjects don't know what's going on and the sites are having trouble. And, uh, and we were I'm, – I'm glad that the society was there so that everybody had a place to go commonly speak to each other about and work things out and learn from each other. And so one thing um, – what what was your perspective on how COVID nineteen affected the research community? Uh, gosh, you know it's um, it was impactful for sure. Uh, uh, originally, obviously in a negative way, um, as it was the world, right? It was, it was such a, a, a you know tragedy of you know what happened, um, you know, 
this it kind of took I think a lot of people off guard as as it all did right we all yeah. you know, you know the personal lockdowns of our family let alone the business side of things and and a lot of the health health implications and the negative effects that had on, on so many people um, you know about research industry specifically you know it was really interesting to see because um, you know from study kicks perspective right you know we we work with sites globally. And we kind of saw it as kind of this tidal wave um, really happen over the course of a two to three week period of where, you know, research was going on, um, you know, as normal, quote, as normal, right? And, and <clears throat> in the course of a two to three week period, we just saw region by region getting shut down, locked down, studies putting on hold, um, you know, both from the sponsor level and sites you know, calling us, you know, saying that they were closing their doors for a certain period of time or pausing a lot of their enrollments. Um, there were a lot of sites also that, that remained open during those times, but we can, we can touch on that here in a minute. But I think, um, you know, from our perspective, you know, the majority of sites were greatly impacted from a business standpoint, from a revenue standpoint. Um, you know, so, so was the industry, right? And, you know, at the same time, too, so many patients were affected by this as well. Uh, people that were already participating in a clinical trial, uh, patients that were in screening. Um, there was a lot of studies that were forced to, you know, screen fail patients out of a trial if they were in screening. Um, and that was a big um, hit to a lot of sites. Um, you know, participants were not very interested or they were oh, maybe a little bit nervous about going to a research site. Um, you know, recruitment was put on pause, and that's really the lifeblood of, yeah, of the industry, right? Mm -hmm. And, you know, without the research sites being able to operate and having a lot of those, um, you know, logistical circumstances worked out, um, I, it really took a toll, um, in my opinion. And I, I talked with so many sites um, and how it impacted them. Uh, and I thought, you know, this, this is something that, that no one really knew the timeline and how quickly it would bounce back. Uh, but... You know, to to say that you know, as we were bouncing back today, it's it's been very rapid. Like as fast as as research stopped, it's been coming back online. You know, in the more recent times, um, sites seeing a lot more patients. But you know, overall, it, ha it had a negative impact to start. But I think it's, and we'll get to this in a minute, I believe. But you know, I think it's going to lead us to um, a, a much more positive outcome. And I think many of us anticipated moving forward. Yeah. And so, when you were talking about patient interest, um, do you see you you see that starting to come back as well? <clears throat> Tremendously. Yeah. It's, well, the interesting thing about this whole thing, Mike, is you know we you know you know manages patient communities of over six million patients um, or, or people in these different uh, patient communities that we and they communicate with. And, and initially, what happens, right, is you know many businesses shut down. Um, you know, people were at home, there was a lockdown, ordinances going across the world, right? And people were online more often, right? You hear about these, you know, uh, internet not working in, in all these different cities because there's so many people streaming and, and there's all these different instances that were taking place. But what happened is we literally saw over a 60% jump in online activity uh, yeah. during COVID, Right? It was an instant spike because people are at home. What are they doing? They're online. They're on social media platforms. You know, they're on, on different media outlets. Uh, you name it, that was happening, right? And 
Um, you know, the interesting part about that whole thing is, you know, even though recruitment stopped for a lot of these programs, not all, but, but there was a lot of programs that, that stopped recruitment for a time being, it was an opportunity that we saw to introduce clinical trials, you know, not a specific trial, but, but overall clinical research to potential participants, right, or to some of our community members that may be interested once the sites bounce back. And there was such a forum and a stage at that time to make a new introduction about mm -hmm. research. Um, you know, we found that to be extremely beneficial and, and fruitful uh, because, you know, overall clinical trials has a, a negative connotation to those that, that may not have participated in it or may be educated about it, right? And what we try to do is, is educate in a way that is approachable um, gives them you know, gives people clear facts and data to really understand uh, what clinical trials are, what the purpose of them, um, and what they can expect from even going to a site and joining. So, uh, you know, this really was a time where we were able to to offer that up to participants, and has led us for you know a much stronger opportunity now as these sites are opening up. There's so many people that are waiting to go and uh, get screened for you know various different programs. So. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's been a really interesting time. Yeah, and it, uh, that's what I was um, hoping would happen too. It was, it was one thing to have, uh, like as you mentioned, a negative perception by general population about clinical trials. Right. But once we had COVID vaccines in the works, oh, yeah. that it was on every every place you could go get information was talking about clinical trials for this vaccine and there it was just it was just sitting there as an educational opportunity just people now were learning how trials work why this was I can't remember what they named it uh, operation fast track or something and they had some yeah. name and so people were now learning how long these things actually take and how important it is for the recruitment um, so yeah that was just sitting there for somebody to jump on and, and teach people so yeah, and I gotta say, Mike, just, just as kind of a, a shout out and and you know a voice of gratitude to a lot of the sites that have been working countless hours to enroll these COVID programs. Yeah, right? it's it's astonishing. I mean, we're talking about research organizations enrolling thousands of patients, you know, at, at single research organizations, and, and working you know seven days a week around the clock, and the staff is. Um, you know they're putting themselves in harm's way to screen many people and you know many of you know many that are COVID positive and you know it's something that it, it's been you know quite um, invigorating to see on how the research community has responded to this sort of, of situation to really kind of band together. It, it, it's been very very encouraging. Um, you know never has there been a time where I think you know you know I've personally been more you know I guess motivated by the research community and kind of what's going on because it really is a testament, you know, and even to those that are not, not that are not in research but are actually treating these sick uh, patients, it's it's really something that has been um, you know quite astonishing. I know many people personally who who work in in the hospitals and the ERs and the ICUs, and it's um you know just to kind of hear what they're going through, but the mm -hmm. fact that you go through it day by day, it's something that you know there's there's so much gratitude there. It's it's you know it's pretty amazing. And with the uptick in in subject uh, interest in clinical trials, um, what, what, what 
even, I mean, with that, there are still challenges to recruitment. What do you see today as challenges, and has that changed, let's say, over 10 years? Sure. Yeah, no, great question. Um, you know what, it's interesting. There's been so many changes that have been taking place, um, both from a research side side, both, you know, within study kick operationally, um, you know, and, and then, you know, even how studies are being designed, being managed, data management, you name it, right? Almost every aspect of the research industry has been touched by this. Logistics, you know, you, you name it. Um, you know, I guess start, starting from the participants' point of view, I, I think, you know, so, so study, we, we own a patient communication call center, right? Uh, it's based out of Phoenix, Arizona. And, um, you know, we're talking to thousands of patients a day. And one of the immediate questions that has come up time and time again is, you know, what are research sites doing to ensure our safety, right? I mean, because if you, I don't know, for many of the listeners here, maybe you've gone to a dentist appointment or a doctor's appointment, and they have specific protocol, right, on, okay, when you get to the research site or if you get to the dentist um, office or the doctor's office, text us, um, we'll meet you at the door, uh, we'll take your temperature, you come in, there's no waiting in the waiting room, right? There's all these different elements that are taking place, um, you know, specific protocol on how doctor's offices and different facilities are managing, you know, the influx of people coming in and out of the facility during these times. And the same way has gone for research, and this has been a major question that we have come across many, many times is, um, you know, patients asking, you know, what what is the site doing or are there any specific, you know, uh, contact protocol when I get to the site? Um, so that's been actually one of the biggest shifts that we've done. This initially and operationally is, is, you know, when we're talking to a patient every single time, we're going through the qualification of a patient, ensuring that they understand clinical research, understanding something that they like to participate in, that we go over each specific site's uh, protocol on seeing a patient when they come to the site, right? And every site's different. And in different regions, um, it's different. So, um, you know, we've had to restructure on how we manage that or from an organization perspective to be able to relay the proper logistical information for sites, but it's been extremely beneficial uh, and comforting for a lot of the participants looking to join a program during these times, um, and it has made it made it so much smoother. So from the participant side, it's, it's been it's been staggering, you know. And, and I think uh, leading to your to your second question here is, you know, how how is research or how has this affected you know or changed over the last ten years where we are today? Um, it's pretty astronomical, you know. Ten years is basically right when I got into this industry, so you know I haven't been for all that, you know, a long time, but, you know, I had days at a CRO and, and, um, and work with sites and, and that kind of thing. But, um, you know, the, the digital aspect and the acceptance of digital technologies in today's realm than it was 10 years ago is night and day difference, right? Yeah. Um, you know, from the way that uh, patients are finding out about research. So, you know, back in the day, it was, you know, when social media was so new, to the research sector, um, you know, that's something where it, it was such an opportunity and such a stage because there wasn't that much information on social media, but people were flocking to these different platforms, you know. So that's, you know, right when Facebook was getting going, a few years, a few years later, Instagram you know, started jumping up, and all these other platforms were also beginning to join. And, and depending upon the, uh, you know, 
type of participant, right, and the different demographics and globally where they live. Um, all these different platforms began to rise, and the acceptance of these platforms, you know, began to join. And um, there was a real education piece at that time, even about social media, to the general clinical trial population, right? And um, you know, fast forward to where we are today, you know, social media is a thing that's that's always like it's it's been there now, right? It's kind of the norm for a lot of people, um, at least some sort of element, whether it's engagement, whether it's retention, education. Uh, purely recruitment, right? There's many ways that people use social media now to help support clinical trial recruitment. But I think now also, more so than ever, is some of the newer technologies that it, kind of, it maybe took a pandemic to have them be accepted, right? Maybe, you know, and, and just to kind of put an example on this, you know, five years ago, and this is kind of what we saw, so about five years ago, there was a real shift where people were not using as often, the research community was not using as often uh, two-way text messaging conversations with, with, with people to um, you know, get people scheduled at their site or communicate with them for you know, a number of different reasons. And um, you know, once that was introduced and started becoming a, a more norm, right, when we did a, a, a survey years ago asking people what was their preferred method of communication, Right back then, 82% of clinical trial participants preferred text messaging, right, as a form of communication. But most research sites didn't have a sophisticated way of having two-way text message conversations with patients um, at their site. So, you know, fast forward where we are today, right? You heard we hear about you know telemedicine, uh, video calling. There's e-consent. Um, there's different retention technologies and, and options, um, all these different elements where, you know, a lot of this technology has been around for some time, but it wasn't really utilized in the industry until today. And I think it took a pandemic like COVID to really, you know, explore these as vital options to research. Um, and, and that's where I see it going. I mean, it, we're accelerating now at such a fast time. There's all these great companies they're offering so many platforms now, um, but even more so, the research community and the um, you know, overall has, has become very ex acceptance of the uh, of these different technologies and the use of them. So, in a, uh, with just a couple minutes left, uh, can yeah. you sum up some things that sites can do on their own to support their their own recruitment efforts, and then and then. Tell me what what do you see? What's next for Study Kick? What do you see out there in sure. the future for recruitment and engagement? Yeah, sure. So um, you know, so for sites, uh, what's been interesting is you know there's so many things right now that sites are doing and can do uh, to help just maybe with their overall recruitment and retention, maybe just engagement uh, with their local community, right? And and you know it goes back to some of the talks we've done previously, maybe some of the talks we've done at different conferences, but um, you know, providing value and building that trust with your local you know, patient community or patient population. I think right now, more than ever, is a time if, if you're not on social media for your research site, um, go on, create yourself an account, create yourself um, a page, and and start utilizing the tools. And we have webinars we've done, and you know, we provide links to that to, to to just listen on maybe things you can do at your own site, but really begin to build that engagement. That, the use of all these media platforms is at an all-time high right now, 
And, uh, you know, I think with that, you have an opportunity to reach so many more people very quickly. So I think instituting some sort of engagement platform to educate about your site, about your business, about what you're doing to protect people uh, during COVID, um, the trials that you're enrolling at your site, I, I, would, I would highly, highly recommend doing that. There are a lot of sites that are doing that right now. So, um, you know, that's, that's one area of opportunity. And I think, um, you know, another thing, too, is, is reaching out to even your database during this time and just checking in with them, um, whether it's through mass email, whether it's through mass text messaging, building that engagement and letting people know that, listen, you, you are open and you are conducting research and or you're doing health screenings or whatever it may be that you're doing at your site. Get involved with um, you know, your database and community. A lot of times these people have been sitting in your database, you made contact with them in the past couple of years, but maybe it's been some time since you've reached back out to them, especially during the era. So um, now's a good time to begin to do that, right? And it's, yeah. you know, it goes back to our multiple points of contact, uh, builds trust and value, and that's what I'd recommend for sites. Um, I think, and, and going kind of transitioning into your, your, your last on kind of what's next for Study Kick and kind of what we're doing. Um, you know, it's been an interesting time for us. Um, efficiency and logistics has become an all-time importance for Study Kick. So, along with the, you know, creating that connection with the participants and educating about research, it's offering tools to research sites um, all in one platform or on one technology to try to streamline uh, as much as their day as possible. You know, so right now, like Study Kick, we offer a recruitment platform, we have a retention platform. Um, we also have a, uh, a video calling platform now, so sites can have video calls with their patients. Uh, Two-way text messaging has been around for a long time now. Um, we have a complete e-consent solution that's all built in under one platform. So, um, you know, we're very much head in this kind of um, you know, digital realm of, of you know, touchless trials or at least supporting some elements of virtualizing clinical trials to an extent. but. Now, I'm very much a fan of, of kind of these um, supporting sites with a little bit of maybe virtualizing parts of the trial and just enhancing the other aspects from a logistical standpoint. So, you know, that, that's what StudyKick's doing right now, and we're moving at light speed. Um, we've taken this time to try to really build as much tools for research sites um, to make them as, you know, as, as efficient as possible and for us to support sites as much as possible. So um, that's, that's really what we're doing now. We're continuing down that path. So it's been an exciting time. Yep, um, it, it really is. And um, and thanks for your time today and giving a, a giving us a good kind of overview of recruitment of uh, issues. A lot of our, our a lot of our um, uh, SCRS talks so far have been all about virtual trials. It's been a very heavy topic, so it's it's, yeah. it's good to have a yeah to address this part of it. Um, Definitely. Well, well thanks again. For, sorry, go ahead, Matt. I'll say, yeah, thank you for having me. This has been a pleasure. Um, I was really excited when you, know, you all approached us to, to ask to do this. So um, anytime, it's, all, it's always great interacting with SCRS and all the work that you all are doing. I mean, it's, it's extremely motivating. And, and uh, we hear all the time as well that sites, uh, you know, really appreciate the work that SCRS does. So, so keep it up. You guys are doing really good work. Oh, well, thanks a lot, and we appreciate your support of, of what we do, and it's always, you've been a, just a great GIP of for us. Of course, thank All you. All right, everybody. Oh, you're welcome. Uh, before we close out, make sure you register for upcoming webinars and summits and discussions. You can visit our learning, learning campus 
and check out the SCRS Insight Journal. We publish that quarterly for members. You can find all of that at myscrs.org. Uh, my and speaking of websites, studykick.com, S-T-U-D-Y-K-I-K.com. Thanks, Matt. Thanks, Study Kick. And we appreciate everyone's participation in today's program and look forward to having you join us for more great content. Thanks for listening, everyone. Bye-bye.